Oh, God, I hate running. It's so repetitive and boring. Oh, I guess it keeps me fit. Why don't we liven it up a bit? Who, who, said, who said that? I'm the audience. The audience? But you're, you're just a voice in my head. Exactly. Oh, I guess... Oh, I guess I hoped we'd have a real audience by episode 20. <sighs> There's no time, Ben. Take a left at the fork in the road. Uh, but I'm not... Left, damn it! That was a close one. Keep running. Don't slip on that mud. Whoops. Jump that dog. Oh, sorry. Now, head into that little. Fetch me a pan of razor. Top speed. Oh, I, really, I really don't think. Top speed. There's no time. Move. It's 440, please. I'll take your time. Take your time. <sighs> OK, got it. Now, where are we going? I think you know where this is going. <sighs> Wait. I know that voice. You're not the audience at all. Hmm, must be an error in his programming. You're, you're just the voice of me, Teo. I'm telling myself to run out and get a pastry before we start the pod. Useless machine. I'm not Teo, I'm Ben. And I'm not Ben, I'm Teo. And this is... Pixel Vision. Just before we start... Have you got your photos of your ends of the levels to hand? Yeah. The, the other thing I did, as we're going to swing our dicks about on this, is... Um, <laughs> well, speak for yourself. I don't intend to do any dick swinging. Well, I mean, it's dick swinging by, by virtue of just comparing each other's stats, isn't it? Isn't that dick swinging? I guess, maybe. I mean, it's not literal dick swinging, obviously, but it's, you know, it's like one-upmanship. <laughs> isn't, that the, isn't that the meaning of dick swinging? Yeah, one-upmanship. I prefer that expression. One-upmanship. I like dick swinging. Sounds a bit more dignified. <laughs> I like dick swinging, mostly because it's undignified, and also it just, it goes straight to the heart of, like, the male ego on points like this. Yeah, but dick swinging sounds like you're two guys in a pub getting in an argument, whereas one-upmanship sounds like one of you's just called the other out for a duel. There's a lot more grandeur to that, isn't there? What, what, with a glove? What? Not with a glove? You know, like... What? <laughs> not that kind of, not that kind oh, of glove. Oh, you mean, you mean the dual yeah, yeah. calling out glove? <laughs> yeah. The, the, guns the sort guns of or knives. Aristocratic equivalent of the, of the monkey's paw? Uh, yeah, I don't know what the monkey's paw is. Isn't the monkey's paw what you throw down, or am I thinking of a chicken's claw? Or a chicken's foot or something. There's something that you throw down and it means like we're going to fight to the death. Now. Is it a monkey's paw or a chicken's claw? <laughs> we'll have to find out. Very good. Uh, so yeah, sorry, you were saying. Oh yeah, so I've, I've taken all the photos, of course, but then I also just sort of noted down the levels with the numbers and then just added them all up to get like a total deaths. thought that might be quite nice. Oh, you're fucking kidding. I haven't done that. <laughs> well, that'll only take you a second. What is this level of preparation? It's going to take me forever. What? Let me just get my pencil. Oh, here it is. Okay, so... Because otherwise you don't really know, do you? You've got to... <laughs> That's the true statistic. That is a good idea. That is a good idea. All right, so let me just check. I hope I don't skew this by getting the same level twice or something. I'm really worried. <laughs> Oh, right. 
<laughs> I'm surprised the game doesn't give you a total deaths stat at the end. Uh, yeah. Seems like an obvious miss, that, doesn't it? Yeah. Not that I thought of it at the beginning of this, but... Right. Tot it up. Let's go. Well, welcome, welcome, one and all, to a very special 20th episode edition of Pixel Vision, I suppose. Yeah, it is. Well remembered. I was wondering if you were going to remember its anniversary. Mm. Did you get me anything? I didn't, no. Sorry. Oh, oh, Apart from your ass handed to you on a plate. Oh, oh. Talk. Here he comes out swinging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why do you say that then, Terry? What's going on? Well, we've been playing Ghost Runner. And Ben completed the whole game before me, as is often the case. And he said to me, make sure that you take a photo at the end of each level where it tells you how many times you've died so that here, live on the pod, we could reveal once and for all who has the most grandfatherly reflexes and who is hanging on to their youth by a thread. Yeah, we have already shared one level, haven't we, with each other? Yeah. Yeah, the, the tutorial level. Proud of that level, Ter? Yeah, I think, what was it? I died two more times than you, 35 to 37? Uh, something like that, yeah. yeah. Pretty close. Or 35 to 32, something like that. It was, you died two or three more times than me, though, mm. is the point, isn't it, I think? Yeah, let's see. <laughs> let's see if that uh, trend continues over the course of the game. I will say, though, that it is a little bit skewed because you probably didn't feel like you were in competition when you were playing the game. Whereas for me, the entire run through was just like tainted with this air of competition. <laughs> nah, nah. As soon as I started playing and it gave you that reveal of the number of deaths at the end of the level, I was like, right. obviously we're going to be competing about this. Okay, okay. Uh, well, all will be revealed. Yeah, yeah. But give us a quick summary of Ghost Runner then so that people know what the hell it is we are talking about today. It's a cyberpunk runner game where you play as an android with a sword. You are not quite the last of your kind, but you have been put together by the resistance against a tyrannical autocrat named Mara in what is known as the Tower. And so it's heavily implied that society as it exists in this world exists solely within this tower, uh, which is very stratified by class. The game starts as this like ridiculous intro sequence, which for some reason I couldn't skip for ages, but then I could skip it eventually. That's a side point anyway. You're fighting with the resistance to defeat this person, Mara, with a couple of voices in your head as you go, running through these levels, running along walls, slicing people with your sword, one hit, one kill, both for enemies and for you. That's pretty much it. You're just running to the end the entire game. Would you say it was what you expected from the game? Like, what's your kind of gut mm. reaction to the game when you first started and when you finished? It was exactly as I expected it to be, for sure. It's very similar to Mirror's Edge, but I say that, it's been so long since I played Mirror's Edge. Like, when did that game come out? 2008. Yonks ago, yonks ago. 2008, it was. Yonks ago, yeah. 
otherwise known as Yonks ago. Yeah, I remember that being pretty much the same. You go up to guards when you and like crook their necks. Crook their necks? Twist their necks. Crook. 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 That's just snap. Snap. Snap their necks. Um, and then if you got hit, you die straight away. Imagine if you just ran over to each of the guards and just cracked their neck slightly. Oh, thanks. Oh. There was a lot of tension there. <laughs> it's very pleasurable. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Probably not the desired, uh, desired outcome there. But yeah, that's basically the last runner game I played that's like this. First person runner game, you should say. So... You know, it's not like Temple Run where you're on rails. Yeah, so apparently this is its own genre now. It's a genre known as FPP, which stands for First Person Parkour. So I'm not convinced necessarily by that acronym, but there it is. And as you say, yeah, Mirror's Edge 2008, Yonks Ago, the first one. But since then, we've had the sequel to Mirror's Edge, which I didn't even know about until someone told me on Twitter... I thought there was a lot of hype for Mirror's Edge 2, but apparently Mirror's Edge 2 was released as Mirror's Edge Catalyst in 2016. Ah, yes, yes it was. Easy, easy there. Leave my door alone. Patience never was your virtue, Faith. Thought you were taking a nap. Isn't what old people do? Careful with that mouth, girl. I guess two years of peace and quiet is all I get. Yeah, I missed you too. And see, I think that the reason I didn't notice that, aside from the fact that I'm assured it was greeted with a a general meh from the gaming community, is that it was described, looking back now, as a reboot of Mirror's Edge. And I don't know whether that's just because the time between 2008 and 2016 is long enough that rather than considering it a sequel they decided to dub it a reboot like were they talking about the franchise but i think it misrepresented the game enough that i thought they basically just reskinned the original and re-released it because i do remember catalyst being released but i don't remember thinking of it as mirror's edge 2 yeah to be honest this isn't a genre that i pay too much attention to anyway and i bet you it was a ps4 exclusive or something like that probably not ps4 more likely to be xbox but maybe i don't know but there's other games in the genre like dying light which is incredible. Did you ever play that zombie game? Never played it, no. I've heard good things, though. Oh, mate, so good, yeah. Although apparently Dying Light 2 has got a bit of a troubled production process and it's been delayed for a long time now. Assassin's Creed, sort of Prince of Persia. Are we counting that? That's third person, though, really, isn't it? Third person, though, yeah. And there's less momentum in those games. Like, this is small rooms, very, very focused in what you're trying to do in each little area whereas those are like open world games aren't they yeah the last two definitely so Dying Light is first person the other two yeah you're right a third person oh there must be more well you're a big fan of Titanfall right and Titanfall 2 and that gives you a similar sense of mobility to this yeah it does actually that's a little bit different because I'd more say that's first person shooter than a first person parkour but yeah definitely and I guess the thing which really sets us apart from something like Titanfall is that you just have your sword. I mean, you pick up a few abilities and stuff by the end of the game, but it's mainly your sword that you're using, isn't it? So I think your expectation must have been set by reviews or by stuff you'd read about the game or like, did you know about the game? Because my expectation was very much it was going to be more of the Mirror's Edge vibe of like maybe a bit puzzly, but not necessarily difficult. And then when I died, what, like 35 times in the tutorial, I messaged her and I was like, I'm not actually sure we should do this game on the pod because I just can't be bothered. Like, I've died this many times in 10 minutes of gameplay. 
if it's another Sekiro, I'm not up for it. And he was like, well, just try it. And he raised his stupid little musical instrument comparison again. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fine, I'll stick it out. I'll try it. But if I still feel like this later, we're not doing it. And are you glad that you did? Yeah, I am actually. Yeah. It grew on me a lot, big time. Once you do get some of those abilities and the, the levels start to open up a little bit, it does just get a lot easier. I found. But I also just think it's expectation management. Right. When I came to it, I didn't expect it to be that difficult. So I got knocked for six and was like, I don't know if this is my kind of thing, I'm not gonna play. Once I started playing, readjusted my levels and was like, oh, okay, that's just the style of the game. Then my entire psychology and my approach to the game changed, mm. enabling me to enjoy it more, I guess. So to give people like a visual image of the kind of scenario you're placed in, Essentially, you'll be in these rooms. It's all kind of underground, like you're in a big factory with hanging crates everywhere, like clear surfaces, straight surfaces, which you can run on. And there'll be a handful of people with guns in that room. And you'll have to choose the best, most efficient route running along the walls, using your grappling hook, etc., to kill all of these guys before they get a shot off on you. And if you die once then it's back to the start of the checkpoint and you've got to rinse and repeat that area. Yeah. It's a bit like a ninja cyberpunk version of that film Premium Rush about delivery cyclists in New York City <laughs> with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, I have not seen that. It's basically him on his bike with his like delivery back on <laughs> and every time he gets to traffic, it like goes into slow-mo. You see his mind plot the route through all the traffic and then he executes it. That sounds exactly like it, yeah. I can't work in an office. I don't like wearing suits. I like to ride. Fixed gear, steel frame, no brakes. The bike cannot coast. The pedals never stop turning. Can't stop. Don't want to either. You get stuck in uh, kind of crevices in your mind. Like, you get stuck in a ditch, don't you? Like, you've learned one route and you've perfected it up to the last person and then you keep dying on this last person and even if you're like oh maybe i should switch it up a bit you're kind of you're attached to first part of the route that you can like do every single time yeah yeah so you get into these sort of repetitive cycles even though it might be better to switch it up. well the other thing is that i don't necessarily think we've fully explained yet is that the reason it's so difficult is a that it's a one-shot kill so if any of the enemies touch you or hit you or shoot you you're dead, you start over. And B, it's so fucking fast. It's brutally fast, man alive. And it's got this techno music behind you like the whole time. So you feel pumped, immediately pumped. My palms are sweating as I even think about it. My palms got so sweaty in this game. I constantly was having to put down my controller and wipe them on my trousers because it's just so fast paced. Like at the beginning, it has that classic epilepsy warning that loads of games have. But this game, I genuinely feel like it applies to all players regardless of pre-existing health conditions. Yeah. <laughs> that is literally what it said. I've never experienced epilepsy either, but that warning worried me every time because it says like, even if you have not experienced epilepsy before, you may still experience it with this game. And you're like, maybe just don't <laughs> leave that in the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe get rid of some of the flashing lights if it's going to cause a sort of... <laughs> yeah. 
But I think they're going for the sort of Chemical Brothers in the movie Hannah, when she's running through the tunnel, it's like flashing lights, and there's that wicked soundtrack. Oh, what soundtrack that movie. Yeah, absolutely. That's a sick soundtrack that movie has. Yeah, and I reckon they're going for that vibe, aren't they? Although it doesn't quite work, because every time you die, the music restarts. <laughs> so it's like a skipping record a little bit, isn't it? Because mm. you die so fast. You have a run for like a couple of seconds before you get hit and die and have to restart. Yeah, you talked about the Desperados 3 quick load time being fast. Like, this is next level. There's literally no break between you dying and respawning at all. It's as quick as it possibly could be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although you at least get to fire it. So there is an option in the settings where you can have instant restart. It just straight away reboots. But I'm glad I didn't turn that on because I needed that time between to like regather myself and get my breath back and all that sort of thing. It's like quite wearing as a game, isn't it? Yeah, it's exhausting, especially on the bits which are particularly difficult. Like, I was swearing out loud. And my housemate was in the room while I was playing it for quite a lot of it. And he was like, what's going on in that game? Because <laughs> I'd sort of, like, slam my desk be like, fuck! Before we move on from film references, just because I wrote one down as well, it reminded me of Equilibrium. You know that one that's got... I always forget the actor's name. But the one that's got... Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale. And its own martial art of gun shooting. Yeah. Yeah, what yeah. do they call that in the game? It's got a really cool... In the film, it's got a really cool name. But I can't remember what it is. Oh, God, I Animals. Animals for them. Sounds like it came from your trunk. Impossible. Just give me my keys. I'll be on my way. Captain, I'm asking you one last time. Don't do this. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's because it's got that slightly slick, like, Matrix-esque vibe to it, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. But like I say, to begin with, I genuinely found it so frustrating with the one-shot kills. There's no save function, but obviously there are auto-saves. But there's an issue with this, because if you quit the level at any point, all of your auto-saves throughout the level get discarded, and you have to just restart the level again. Oh, really? I never did that. I'm surprised you did as well, because you you like to leave it running, don't you? Yeah, well, I found out early on, I had to go somewhere, I think, and I was like, oh, well, it's always saved anyway, I'll pick it up when I come back. And then I had to restart the level. I was so annoyed, because you die so many times. Just to sort of progress through one room, for instance, you might die like 25, 30 times, just through one room of the level. Yeah. And then it'll autosave as soon as you finish that encounter, and you'll move on to the next stage but then you'll die another 30 times so if you've done that three or four times already on that level and then you have to start again it's like ah so basically this is a game where at the beginning of every single level you have to know that you've got the time to finish that level because otherwise 
you may as well just throw away 45 minutes. Yeah, exactly. But it does take 45 minutes an hour. Like, there wasn't a single one, I think, took me longer than an hour. No, I don't think so either. Although I'm not sure off the top of my head. So you sort of, you know what you're getting into a little bit. But yeah, it is unfortunate if you had to just drop it for whatever reason. But the other thing that means is that you're basically guaranteed a game of less than 17 hours, right? Because there's 17 levels. If you're going to sit down and play it, you're only ever going to sit down 17 times to complete a game. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and some levels are significantly shorter than that as well. Yeah, some of them are like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not a long game. And to begin with, that's what kept me going, actually. Mm. Maybe not even to begin with. Throughout the whole game, I think that's what kept me going. Like, if I'd have thought it was a 35-hour campaign, there's no way I would have carried on playing, because, Jesus Christ, it was just too much. Yeah, it took me eight and a half hours, and that felt about right. By the end, I was happy for it to be over, for sure. Yeah, yeah, same, exactly. Well, because at one stage, the architect tells you... So the architect is one of the players Teo mentioned there. So you, there's only mm. three, aren't there? There's, there's like three people in the game. Mm-hmm. There's a human called Zoe, who is just seems to be kind of a random human who you managed to contact at some stage. Then there's Mara, who's like the final boss. And then there's the architect. Yeah. Well, you, you get dropped in the game. So the, the intro sequence is you facing off against the final boss. Mara, yeah. Mara. And that was when she sort of took over from this guy, the architect, who's a voice in your head. He's sort of copied himself onto a computer program, the usual sort of thing. Whereas Zoe is one of the climbers. So the game begins 20 years later after that intro sequence. And they rebuilt you to help them with the revolution. But they didn't get you done in time and they'd already gone for it and they've all died. And Zoe's like the last one of these rebels left. So that's kind of her backstory, isn't it? Yeah. Although I'm always really glad that you tend to fill in the lore and the story of these games, because half the time I don't have a fucking clue what's going on. Like, I get the gist of it, sure. Like, you're climbing up Dharma Tower. I don't know why it's Dharma again, by the way. They bloody love Dharmas in games, don't they? When was the lot? Because we talked about the Dharma initiative before, didn't we? I can't remember why. Yeah, we did. I can't remember which game it was now. But I don't even know what it is. Apparently it means the eternal and inherent nature of reality. Uh So I guess they're reaching for profundity with that yeah so like i said society is structured in this tower and this guy the architect in your head he's very much like this is the way things have to be for the human race to survive whereas mara her deal is more like i want us to get back outside into the real world but in order to do that she's started messing around with humanity to such an extent that it's like is this really humanity anymore they're two competing visions of where society should go from this new world or the third way which is zoe and the climbers which are like "Mm, why don't we just get together and shape our future in a nice way the story is cheesy as fuck isn't it it's so thin to be honest the most of the stories filled in at the end of the game Mm. those three characters give you a little bit of dialogue where it's essentially just expositional stuff while you're playing but then at the very end there's a prolonged cutscene isn't there an extended cutscene where they kind of fill in all the gaps <laughs> mm. it felt a bit tagged on i don't think you play this game for the story really do you you don't know but they are zoe and the architect are both talking to you throughout the entire game there isn't a room where there isn't some dialogue from them giving you little snippets so it's quite heavy on the audio i'd say but did you really listen to them much i found them just a bit annoying because you're so focused on the level when they're talking it's like, stop talking. I need to focus. <laughs> <laughs> but they... <laughs> okay. Our first stop is one of the few remaining Cyberboard mainframes located in an old mining tower. 
We can use it to correct the corrupted parts of your code, and hopefully restore your more sophisticated functions. Hopefully. I didn't quite feel like that, but you are right there. Like, the architect is so obviously evil. He's making out like he's on your side and that he's giving you advice and stuff. Yeah. Clearly evil. He doesn't even try and disguise it. Even the way he's introduced in the game as Whisper, because he's in like a prison, before you like break him out of his prison at the beginning, mm. he's just called Whisper and he's the voice in your head. It was very sort of Bioshock. He's like your bud the whole way through. And then at the end, there's that big twist where you realise he's not your bud. Frank Fontaine, isn't it? Yeah. Now, would you kindly head to Ryan's office and kill the son of a bitch? It's time to finish this. I haven't even played this game, but it looks like the System Shock head and also the iRobot face, like the artificial intelligence and that, which is just like a sort of big blue head. Basically a big blue robot head inside your head. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, Go on, you first. No, I think I was going to interrupt what you were probably about to say anyway, which is about the sort of interim levels where between running through the building, you find yourself in these sort of puzzle zones. How would you describe those rooms? Sort of just weird cuboid computer rooms, aren't they? That's the cyber void. So it's like, I can't remember what it's called in the shadow run. But you know those cyberpunk games where there's a virtual reality which you can enter into. Yeah. It's that classic thing. Lawnmower Man style. Yeah. In that reality, normal physics don't quite apply. So the coolest example of that was that corridor where the further you run towards it, the further you get away, and then you have to run backwards to go forwards. That was really cool, I thought. There are a few nice little moments in those cyber voids. Those levels are actually quite a nice respite from the pace of the rest of it, aren't they? They are, yeah. Because you can't even jump in there. No, none of your abilities work, do they? I like those bits, and those are the bits where you kind of unlock a new ability. You develop your character a little bit. Some of them, especially towards the end when I just wanted to finish, I was like, ah, oh, this is a bit drawn out. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the puzzles, like, for instance, there's one where you go into the cyber void and there's these doors with lights above them and they've got a certain number of lights. And if you go into a door with one light above it, you'll come out of the door with one light above it. And if you go into one with three, you come out with three. And you kind of have to figure out the order. It's the Lost Woods again. We're back in the Lost Woods once more. <laughs> Listeners will know by now I'm not a patient gamer, really. And I was just like, oh, come on. Next level. Yeah, the last one of those is super tedious. But there's another one which is quite fun and works quite well in the story. Because the reason the architect is getting you to hack into the cyber void is to increase your abilities so that you're able to defeat Mara. But at one point, Zoe wants you to stop the gas from filling up the lower levels which they've switched on to save all the people and the architect's like why are you bothering like you might as well hack into a refrigerator sort of thing you don't get any abilities from it you just have to do a load of puzzles to turn off the pipes yeah it's quite nice how like it played with both doing it to get an ability and just to follow the story but then the architect himself recognizes that this is a pointless exercise so there's an irony there because at one stage the architect says it won't be easy but it will be fair or something like that which both of those things, bollocks. It's not easy and it's not fair. <laughs> like there's so many times while you're playing it where you're just stuck in some crazy designed level with multiple tiers. So we've talked about this in other games as well. There's quite a vertical structure into the game, isn't there? So most levels you'll go into the room at the base mm. and work your way up, obviously because you're climbing a tower. This is one of those things actually while we're on it that seems to be quite popular as a 
premise for a lot of games and films, like The Raid, The Raid 2, Judge Dredd, maybe Snowpiercer as well a bit. Yeah. Like these things where you're in a confined location, you're heading to one destination, usually the top of the tower, and the whole thing is just an assault on it. Yeah. It's weird because that doesn't sound like it offers you much by way of scope for a storyteller or for a player really who's interested in narrative. And so I think that tease you off because one of the things about all those things I just referenced is that none of them are really about story, are they? They're all about action, fast-paced, relentless, like heart-pumping, adrenaline-fueled action. And they're good at that, for sure. But this is all a bit flashy, isn't it? Yeah. For me, the voices especially did add something. I would have liked the game less if a bit of story hadn't been layered on top, but not that much less. Like, you could have taken it away. I still probably would have played it, but it just gives you an extra, like, sort of grain of purpose, but hardly anything at all. Yeah, I mean, largely it's to justify the cyberpunk world, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Which, again, are we in some sort of massive cyberpunk resurgence right <laughs> yeah, now? Because there's so many games. It's like every fucking game is a cyberpunk game at the minute. And don't get me wrong, like, I remember when 2077 was announced, I thought, oh, this is going to be so good, and I was really hyped for it. But then over the years that that was in development, it seemed like every other game became a cyberpunk game. By the time it was released, even if it hadn't have been panned, well, not panned, but like, you know, bug ridden and riddled with all sorts of problems on its launch. Mm. I still think I would not have been that enthused to play it straight away just because I'm a bit worn out by all the other cyberpunk games. Yeah. In 2077, what makes someone a criminal? Getting caught. I feel like I've read a lot about them, and you're right, it does feel very saturated at the moment. But in terms of ones that I've actually played, I haven't actually got around to playing that many. But is that because you're also a bit bored of the whole setup? So you're like, oh, it's another cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. In some ways, I prefer the Frostpunk vibe. Yeah, that, well, that was really original, wasn't it? They're like steampunk, isn't it? It's like industrial, mm. lots of machines, but not futuristic. Yeah. I quite like that. And that's somewhat less popular, it seems. Yeah. At the minute. Yeah. Just saying. What the game does do quite well is... Oh, does it do this well? I started saying it does it well, and then I thought maybe it doesn't. Because you start off in these lower levels, like we said, which is like factories machines everywhere that sort of thing and then you get up into the city which is completely dead occasionally you hear a few voices from some houses but for the most part it's completely deserted you've got these neon signs everywhere obviously it's english and japanese or maybe chinese one or the other and then you get into the tower which is a bit more horrory like a laboratory kind of vibe where all of these experiments have been happening and those are the three main sort of biomes you want to call them that, aren't they? Yeah, but do you think that they work as environments? I mean, they work as environments for a free-running game, but do they work as environments in terms of, like, they aren't environments you would ever see anywhere, and they're filled with stuff that's positioned in such a way it has no practical use whatsoever. 
This is the classic. Whenever we used to play Crash Bandicoot when we were younger, we always used to think like, oh my God, how do Cortex's goons get to work every day to actually do the jobs in the factory? Because this place is a minefield. And it's the same with this. It's like, how's everyone getting any work done when this is how you have to traverse the place? (laughs) Like it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. In some ways, it's almost like the Doom Eternal placement of random gamey things that are just gamey things. And you're not meant to, they're not meant to fit inside the world. Yeah. But this kind of tries to make them fit inside the world in some ways. Maybe because they're not crazy enough to not fit in it. So stuff like there are some cranes just littered around that you can grapple to. So you've got a grapple as well, actually, we didn't mention. And the billboards are not just placed like billboards. They're often placed like slightly at an angle that goes upwards. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. They're in a sort of a spiral <laughs> and you can just go up one and then up the next and then up the next. And some of them are on these sliding bars. I'm moving my hands, but that's of no value to the listener whatsoever. <laughs> so many fans. So many fans. What are all these fans for? Like giant fan blades for you to traverse which have kind of questionable utility in themselves. (laughs) For sure. Although, I mean, if it is really a very big tower, then presumably they've got to oxygenate it somehow. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. But the fans kind of exist for you to do the classic, like, you're sliding down a broken train carriage and there's a fan spinning at the bottom of it and there's these weird power-ups that give you shuriken (laughs) and you, like, slide through the power-up, get the shuriken then you've got like a couple of seconds to hit three or four different power switches around the room before you reach the fan because otherwise you'll get chopped to bits by the fan blades. Those shuriken sequences were so tough. They were the hardest bit of the game, I thought. Because honestly, it gives you milliseconds to play with. You have to time it (laughs) exactly right. There was one especially where there's just like three switches you had to like shoot two and then jump forwards and shoot the third one and it was really obvious what you had to do but the timing of it was insanely hard it wasn't like you were dying every time it was just like oh well the door's shut again rinse and repeat honestly that must have taken me about 30 times yeah actually on some of the levels especially the levels towards the end where you climb quite high then if you fall at that point you sometimes don't fall to your death and just restart at the last checkpoint. Instead, you fall the whole way down to the bottom of the room. In some ways, it's more annoying than if you just died. Because if you just died, you'd still be at the top of the tower and at the last checkpoint. One in particular, the exact bit of the room that I fell from every single time fell me the whole way to the bottom of the room, but didn't kill me. And like every time that happened, I just like threw myself off the edge. (laughs) Was that on the first boss? boss in inverted commas no it was one with a corner like there was a corner of the room so for instance you're wall running along like a crate or something but then randomly there are just these electric pulses that are flowing along the crate yeah and so yeah. you have to sort of jump off the crate as an electric pulse passes then use your dash slash thrust to like get back onto the crate to carry on running before the next pulse does and then jump across to a next crate but that's also got pulsing things yeah yeah. and all that kind of stuff and timing those sorts of jumps especially because some of the jumps genuinely felt like broken like you just couldn't make that jump yeah there were a few bits where i thought is this me or is it a little bit buggy often you could get around it by like boosting into it though but yeah you're right like you shouldn't need to do that and it's kind of a little bit sketchy if you boost anyway because you can mostly direct it but 
sometimes you sort of just like boost in the opposite direction by mistake and you're like oh god's sake when you hold down your boost it slows down time and you can direct yourself yeah with the analog stick how did you do that do what you move like they do i've never seen anyone move that fast it wasn't fast enough but the analog stick's so sensitive to it that oh, you can so accidentally sensitive. move yourself off the trajectory that you were working on. On the final level especially, that is so annoying because yeah, on the final yeah. level, you've got these uh, the walls that you're meant to run off. You're in the cyber void. And so they are materializing in front of you from nothing mm. and then moving past you and then disappearing yeah. as they move past you. And you would think like maybe three or four of those, that's hard enough. But honestly, there are like there's one section where there's about twenty, and you have to do the whole thing absolutely perfect. Yeah. Oh my god, I was pulling out my hair in that bit. Yeah, it's like a conveyor belt of wall pieces on either side, so you have to jump between them, like you said. And then there's that whole jump sequence where you're boosted really high in the air, like each way, as this giant wall behind you is like creeping up towards you. So you've got a time limit. <laughs> and then they start putting these red balls that just fly towards you mm. as if it wasn't hard enough to time every single one of those jumps. And the jumps are big distances. You have to get this boost exactly right every time. It's not like a, an easy jump. If that wasn't hard enough to time, then also they just added some red balls that if you touch them, you just die. Yeah, it gets a bit highway crossing frog, doesn't it, with those red balls? <laughs> It does actually. Yeah, it does. That's a great that's a great one. I didn't create Frogger, but I came up with the name for it. Can you believe they wanted to call it Highway Crossing Frog? <laughs> that is so lame. I know. It's the lamest thing I've ever heard of. Highway Crossing Frog. So we should start getting into it then. We've ramped up this competition and we've just had a very like civilised, friendly discussion so far. Well, no, that's because I thought we're just, te- you know, leaving it as a little tease, teasing it, making teasing sure it. people don't drop off before the end. Everyone wants to know, obviously, who got the better results. Well, my total deaths for the whole game came in at 991. Are you kidding me? No. Total deaths for the whole game? Yeah. How many? 991. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure we should carry on. I think well, I'm, you're breaking up, too. <laughs> you're breaking up. <laughs> what did you have? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, so I got roughly double that, I think. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so I think I got 1,838. Ooh, that's brutal. That that's brutal. quite a lot of deaths, isn't it? That? Mm-hmm. That's quite a lot of deaths. You got 991? What the hell? I'm going to get a new controller. It's got to be my tools, you know? <laughs> Don't you have an Xbox Elite controller? Nah, I've got an old scuff controller. Ah, yeah. It's nice, that scuff controller. From my Halo playing days with paddles on the back and stuff. To be honest, I'm sure it would have been fine, but sometimes I do think it's a bit ropey. Actually, it definitely is a bit ropey. Not that... I I was actually saying that as a joke about a bad workman blaming his tools, to be clear. I'm not actually blaming my controller. But since we've raised it, I do have some issues with it. (laughs) 
Oh, wow. So, twice as many deaths. Right, so the first level then, I got less deaths than you, but then you just must have smashed it and all the others. Yeah, so, I mean, let's do... The final levels might be quite, like, a little bit of an indicator. Like, that last one with all the Red Bulls and stuff that we talked about. 27 deaths. Really? Yeah, I mean, that's impressive. I think mine was 143. Right, that's quite a lot of uh, distance between us there. It took me 33 minutes to play through. And the one before that, the summit, how many deaths did you have on that? 25. 38 on that. Oh, okay. But I actually thought, while I was playing it, the bosses, I didn't struggle with that much, relatively. So the second boss is called Hell. The first boss is basically just a machine that just, I don't think it's even got a name. It's basically just shoots laser beams and you're kind of dodging the beams and trying to get to the top. Can we just take a moment for that boss for a second though? Because it is hilarious. Like it's just a giant laser tower and Zoe in your ear is there and she says something like, I can't even. I had no, no idea, idea something, something like this, this even existed. Keep moving. Turn back. And you're like, why would you? Like, this, there's no reason for it to exist. And it turns out it's this, like, defense mechanism, which the architect, and he's like, I can't believe Mara got it back online. And it's like, what is this? Why does this exist? Like, what kind of crazy defense mechanism is it? These systems were placed at every elevator station so that nobody could enter Dharma City without my approval. You were expecting an uprising? I was prepared for an uprising. It's so obviously just an excuse to have a ridiculous laser jumping wall running puzzle for you to try and defeat. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't even attack it, really. You just have to be able to survive long enough to climb up it. And then at certain points, you sort of slash, what is it, a chain or something that's holding bits of it up. Just this wires down, yeah. Ridiculous. It was comical. It was comical. Yeah, that is a bit of a stupid boss. The second one is an actual boss that is like another samurai kind of like a ghost runner like you i guess yeah you see a free running along in the levels so i'm chasing another ghost runner we're chasing a cheap knockoff a simple machine and then you just have to fight her and she is actually quite difficult she was more like a sekiro boss i thought yeah very much so gr 74 located kill switch component not found mission to engage you only have to hit her four times. But each time you get her, she jumps onto a different platform. And each platform she jumps off, she's got a slightly different attack pattern, which you have to like parry four times and then you can hit her. Yeah. So you have to kind of just remember the timing for each parry. But some of the later ones, it's not at all obvious, is it? No, it's not for sure. And also, it's another thing where to begin with, the game doesn't do a very good job of guiding you in how to parry. So like it says parry, but sometimes it seems like it works and sometimes it seems like it doesn't. And it was only at a certain point I realised like there's an exact moment when like her sword flashes on the screen, like it actually sort of blinks at the screen. Ah. Every time I saw that flash, I just hit parry and that seemed to work. I didn't even notice that. It doesn't say when you see the sword flash, like do it. You just have to kind of work it out and fuck me. Like again, you die so many times trying to figure out what, the right thing to do is just to parry at that exact moment. That was a bit like scary in the sense that I was so glad that I managed to do it because I didn't feel like I'd mastered it. Like I definitely mastered the earlier patterns. Yeah. But to get past it, I was just like relieved. Yeah, for sure. If I had to do that again, I would die another hundred times or whatever. <laughs> that was by far the most frustrating boss. And as you say, like the last one, I just felt like I'd lucked out a little bit. 
I hit her twice every single time, but then after that. But also, your adrenaline's going, isn't it? Yeah. The pressure of it. It's like you're in on goal and you're about to shoot. Yeah, and every time she jumps to a new platform, she starts firing sort of flying lights at you. What are they? Yeah. <laughs> Again, like, they're, they're not a weapon. They're not a sword. They're not... Yeah, they're kind of like laser, but they come out of the sword and they're basically just flashes of light that if they hit you, they kill you. Yeah, and you can't uh, parry them away. So we haven't mentioned it, but the uh, upgrade system, you can enhance your abilities... So you can enhance your boost, these sort of focus abilities that you can get where you can do this sort of laser sword slash or kill multiple enemies at once with like a big rush. But then there's also the gunfire deflect, which is the one that I use for the whole game. I don't know about you. Yeah, I used it quite a lot as well, yeah. Because essentially what you can become is like a Jedi with a lightsaber where you can just parry back people's blaster shots fairly easily so essentially the way those upgrades work is once you've chosen them there's a grid ah yeah it looks a little bit like a tetris board Mm. and each of the upgrades occupies a certain number of squares on the grid in a certain shape and you have to be able to fit them into the grid if you want to play them they're kind of color coded so that for instance all the ones that are related to deflection are red or something like that and all the ones that are related to one of your other power-ups like slowing time when you dodge or something like that or orange or something like that you know yeah so yeah, yeah. the game wants you to feel like you're choosing a build but really you kind of just have to choose the upgrades that keep you alive when you need them to keep you alive <laughs> yeah you're right and maybe on like because as soon as you complete the game you obviously unlock a hardcore mode where things are switched around and it's harder yeah, oh my god you say obviously when it said new game plus you've unlocked hardcore i was like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> it gets harder it than this. That. who the fuck wants that like what is this trend towards masochistic games it's mental it's not doing <laughs> it for me at all <laughs> yeah w- once is uh, more than enough for me as well but there's lots of upgrades there which I didn't really experiment with because I found the ones that I liked and they fitted my playstyle, so I just stuck with them. So one of the ones, you might not have chosen it, but one of them just makes enemies more visible by highlighting them in, like, red. Back to that Desperados thing again. Yeah, yeah. So I always have that on just because the visibility in the game to make sure that you're close enough before you strike and that kind of thing. I don't know, I just found it really useful. I did to begin with, but by the end... It- it wasn't that useful because the enemies don't really move so once you know where they are on a map well what about the ones with with bombs on their back which like scuttle towards you along the walls and then explode yeah you learn where they are though you die so many times (laughs) this is the difference you knew where they were in advance whereas i was like i'll just die a few times learn where they all are and then kind of that is how i treated my gameplay it was like every run was an explorative run to Mm. figure out where the enemies were where the things on the map so for instance some of the enemies get protected by these like blue shields yeah and you have to find out where the shield is being generated from and destroy it it's like a little ball thing kind of like the totems in doom eternal actually Mm -hmm. and they're not visible often so you have to kind of run around the map to find out where they're actually being powered by where these shields are being powered by yeah definitely there's no way you could do it first time my mentality was Don't worry about the deaths, just charge in and figure out where everything is and then start strategizing on how you're going to get to it all. Yeah, yeah. So if you're going to do that, then that whole like outline the enemy in red is like a pointless waste of upgrade slots, I thought. 
But saying that, you got half as many deaths as me, so... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just found it comforting, and just like in Desperados, where you can see where everything is, I felt like if I turned it off, I just wasn't as effective. So we've kind of alluded to it, but there's a bunch of different enemy types. Not that many, maybe like eight different enemy types. Mm. You have classic guys with guns, guys with guns that fire faster, sword people. Guns with... (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, can we just pause on that? Guys with guns, guys that fire faster with guns. Yeah. Yeah, there's machine gunners, and then there's like regular shitty pistol shooters. Well, if you want to get all descriptive about it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I would like to, please. Well. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, 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 machine gunners. But yeah, the people with swords, they're quite funny. They say like... Samurai. Did you hear this? Yeah, like samurai, but they sort of lunge towards you and you have to... This is very secure. Like you have to do your parry exactly the right time so that they like stumble and then you can kill them. Otherwise, they just block you every time. Yeah. But they say... Did you notice their little audio? Yeah, They go, no why. No why. Did you hear them say that? As in no way? Or is that a Japanese word? No why. I don't know what it means in Japanese. Maybe it does mean something in Japanese. But to me, it just sounded like no why. And it reminded me of my housemate again. He used to teach English to Chinese people's kids. Like we're talking like five, six, seven year olds. And there was one of them every lesson. If he asked her to explain why she said something, she'd just say no why. Like don't ask me why kind of thing. And because it got such a laugh out of him the first time he said it, every time he tried to get her to say something, she'd be like no why. No, I. <laughs> so every time one of these swordmen um, said it, it just reminded me of this story. It made me laugh. No, why? Well, then there are some what I kind of think of as jumping pillocks because they have no grace whatsoever. They just sort of bounce across the map to you. And if they land remotely close to you or intercept you on a wall or something, then you die. Yeah. There are enforcers, which are the guys with shields. Uh, so they have these red shields around them. So you can't slash mm. them and you have to get behind them if you want to attack them. Yeah. Drones that just hover in the air. You can get on top of the drones and then like glide into other enemies or just slash them death yeah and then enemy ghost runners right uh who are the enemy ghost runners the guys who are like phantoms that sort of flash up and then disappear and then flash up oh those guys are absolute bastards they sort of phase in and out so you have to get to them just as they arrive in order to kill them otherwise they'll just phase to a different location and start shooting you again yeah so annoying so annoying and you can't parry there they've got those sort of laser slashes so you can't parry them either they are the hardest the funny thing is as we've described this game it's like every single bit of it i'm like god i hated that bit i hated that bit they were so frustrating that was so annoying (laughs) but the dopamine hits you get every time you complete a section of it it's just enough to carry you through and like i'm embarrassed because it is that loot box effect of like oh i'll do it again i'll do it again i'll do the next one and that you're literally just riding on the chemical reactions that are pinging away Yeah, but that's still real. It's not like a loot box because the thing that's bad about loot boxes is the thing that you're getting is worthless. Whereas this is genuinely satisfying in the same way a physical feat would be, I think. And the checkpoints are generous enough, unless you quit the level, like we said before. Once you have completed that tricky bit, you are onto the next bit straight away. So it's not like Dark Souls where you're all the way back really, really, really far. It's not punitive in the same way. Yeah, that's true. For sure. And like, I way prefer that Mm. because I don't mind a boss or anything really challenging as long as 
when you encounter it, you don't have to then replay 20 minutes of normal gameplay just to get back to the challenging thing. Mm. I hate that. Whereas it's fine to give me something challenging. Fine, I'll, I'll plod away. I'll, I'll keep going at it. But start just beforehand. And in fairness, this game does do that really well. Mm. This game feels like it was designed for you to die a lot in it. And as a result, you do die a lot, but you also are happy to play it because you start again just at the beginning of the difficult section and can try again, try different tactics, tweak your game play and all that kind of stuff. Whereas something like Sekiro, where they did the same thing, it didn't feel like it was designed for you to die a lot, even though they obviously knew you were going to die a lot. Yeah, there are places where you can cheese it the same as Souls-like games, though. Well, in this? Yeah, yeah. Like, there was one bit where um, there's a whole corridor with loads of enemies on, and I just jumped up onto the wall and, like, ran above the whole section. Yeah, yeah, I did that as well. Yeah, but that's what I mean. So, But that's not cheese. I don't think that's cheesing. I think that's like in Mario, where there's, like, a secret in the level, and you and you know that if you jump up in a certain place, even though the block's invisible, you can get on that block, and then you can just run across the top of the level. Right. And that's part of the game, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, presumably they knew you could do that. It would be it would be pretty silly if they didn't know you could do that, for sure. But you kind of don't feel like it's in the spirit of the game. Or I'll give you another example then. There was another moment where there was three of those enforcers, those shield guys, and the power-ups, we should say, slow down time. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier to kill things, but they don't last very long. And so there was one section where it was just quite easy to cheese it. Like, you could just go through, get the power-up, kill one, run away go back, get the power up, kill one, run away. You could sort of whittle down the enemies rather than go through in one smooth run and, like, kill everyone like you're meant to in the intro sequence. That's not cheesing, though. Like, I think that's just playing... Like, this is a game that is punishingly difficult and it isn't that fair. Like, it doesn't give you any leeway. In a lot of the places, the slightest bit of inaccuracy in your jump, the slightest bit of bad timing is enough to kill you, like, straight away. So I think when they put those bits into the game, that's not them making a mistake, I don't think. It's like, yeah, that's your tactic. That's fair game. And I agree. My main criticism of this game, actually, and I should say, because when I started playing it, I was full of criticisms. My notes were just all all the things I hated about it. I was so furious about this game, right? (laughs) But then, you know, that dopamine kicks in. You change your mind. (laughs) But the one thing that I continue to think it did badly is that, If you're pitching yourself as a free-running game, as like a fast-paced, fluid experience, and you know it is pitching it like that, because the intro sequence that you see every time you start the game Mm. is your ghost runner slicing and dicing and running and sprinting and bouncing off enemies like he's the most fluid fucker in the world. And you can't do that when you're in the game. Like, you just can't. You can sprint on walls for a couple of seconds before something is going to kill you, and you die so much, and it's so faltering and so halting that it doesn't feel like a fluid, free-running game, even though when you finally complete that section, you have done it all in one run, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that's a flaw in the premise of it. Like, when you start to play a game that's designed like this, that's designed to be fluid and unbroken, it should feel like your parker is your your parkour is your weapon. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, stringing seamless jumps and combos together. But you're not godlike in this. You die so often, you can barely run across a flat bit of ground without getting shot. 
Yeah, I mean, you are, but as you said, you only get that feeling on the final time you complete it. That is a moment compared to the majority of the time where you're just constantly dying. And then the one time that you do do it flawlessly, you're onto the next bit and then you start dying again. So I, I think that is true. However, there is obviously the potential to be really, really good at this game. And you would feel like that. You'd feel sick. In the same way that a professional footballer would feel amazing playing absolute noobs. But how when I play football, I feel like I've got two left feet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, but the potential is there for me to be good at it. Yeah, you always give these examples, though. They're just false equivalents. Like, if you're a footballer, <laughs> there's so much reason to get good at football, right? Like, you could be in any country in the world, in any social group, and there'll be people talking about football or interested in playing football. Or, like, there's so much to football beyond just kicking a ball. Mm. Whereas this, there really isn't. Like, you will sit in front of the screen by yourself. Sure, you can master it, but to what end? Maybe there's some brag factor. Maybe there's some dick swinging going on, as Taylor likes to mm. say. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there is. Maybe there is. <laughs> but beyond that, as we both said, we played it once, we got to the end, fine. But why would you play it again? Why would you play it on ultra hard? Yeah. I don't get it. Even if you played it for hundreds of hours and got to a point where you could complete every level seamlessly, it's like a false mastery. You haven't really mastered anything. <laughs> the sequel will be out by then and no one else cares. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So then we've probably touched on this in previous pods, but then what's the difference for you for something like Halo, where you're happy to commit to raising your skill level in it and being kind of part of that games community in the same way that you would be with a sport or, I guess, a bigger game, a game which is played all over the world, I don't know. Well, I do think of Halo as a sport. Mm, yeah, yeah. For a start. It's a shame that it's not as big in esports as it ought to be right now, but hopefully Infinite will change that when it comes out. Mm. But um, the difference is, like you say, there's a sporting element to it. You can, There's literally teams you can support and teams you can be a part of. There's a massive social element to it. Always has been ever since the System Link days. Mm. Those two things are enough, I think. Like, really, it's the social element. The time you spend with other people and the time you're sharing having a good time. And I guess, you know, if you're super antisocial or you're just don't really care or you don't feel like there is a competitive element in that as well and because it's social and competitive then you can compete with your social group and enjoy that mm. much like we did with this ghost runner just now mm. but generally i don't know whether that's a facet of this game it's not like it's got a multiplayer thing built in where you're sprinting against other people or anything like that mm. it hasn't even got that thing that mirror's edge had where you could see your previous path and try and beat your speed and that kind of stuff. Mm. Like it hasn't even got that built in. So I don't know that it's comparable. In fact, if you want a analogy, it's kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> as the player, you feel like you're a computer program stuck in a play function loop with the condition being, if die, call play function again, else next level. <laughs> and it's like, you just do it. Every time you die, you just play it again. It's like a compulsion. You just play it again, play it again. Super addictive, totally compelling and infuriating. But then when you finish, it's like you're out of the function. You don't need to start that again. You've left it behind. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You do feel a bit like you're in a while loop while you're playing it, for sure. Exactly, yeah. While I'm not good enough, repeat level. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah exactly exactly it's interesting it's interesting because i totally get your thing of wider social appeal and almost a game achieves kind of critical mass with that whereby either your friends are playing it enough or like other people are playing it enough but there will certainly be 
I don't know if, how many people are into this game. There's so many games out there. But there'll be like a crew of people that if you did get really good, you could go online and find the other people that are really good at it and, and chat to them and compare your scores. And it's kind of like, maybe that'll be enough for some people if they just happen to love this game so much. Because you get experiences like Titanfall 2, which we mentioned at the beginning, where everyone online says how much better those games are than definitely of Call of Duty, but maybe even Halo as an online shooter experience, but just can't reach critical mass to get going, and then it just dies. Any Titan down. Pilot, this type weapon is an advanced design and may give us a tactical advantage. Great. A new Titan weapon will be useful. Yeah. The player base just never kicked off. I think it's because the difficulty with Titanfall 2 was that Titanfall 1 wasn't an amazing game. Like, it was a good game, sure, it was solid, mm. but Titanfall 2's amazing. And so many people who played Titanfall 1 were kind of like, ah, oh, no, I'm not really, like, it was all right, but I probably don't need to spend 50 quid and get the next one kind of thing. And then by the time the sales came around and the price had dropped, there were loads of other games out. So it never accumulated a player base that it would need to sort of reach that critical mass that you're talking about in the multiplayer community mm. and to really drive, which is a massive shame because as you say, the people who've played it loved it. <laughs> it's just got no longevity because it doesn't have loads of players. Mm. But I don't really see how that relates to this necessarily because I think this is quite a niche game anyway, I imagine, in part because of its difficulty level and in part just because it's not a AAA title from a massive developer. It's from some Polish developer called One More Level. Yeah. So for me, this works as a one-off experience and as palette cleanser is the wrong word. But it's, it's nice to play different kinds of games. And this definitely gives you something different for not very long and also for not even that much money. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Although what? it did feel genuinely bad for my health. Really? While I was playing it. Why? I felt like I aged while I... Look at my blood pressure is through the roof, mate. Oh, no. It's going through the roof. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm leaning a bit too hard into this grandfather thing now. Yeah, well. It's just I haven't even got children yet. I don't know why it's the grandfather. Where did that come from? I'm not even a father yet, mate. Easy there. Yeah, but still. You're the grandfather of the pod, and I'm the young whippersnapper, tearing it up with their quick reflexes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. One last thing on, on reflexes, which I wanted to mention. The sensitivity on this game is so high, and I actually played some Halo on Friday for the first time in, like, six weeks and i have my sensitivity on 10 on halo but it felt really really slow because i'd been playing this game and usually 10 sensitivity on halo feels ridiculously fast like too fast i mean i mostly do it just because bragging rights like i don't i'm not even convinced it's that useful um but um but yeah like compared to the ghost running like such high sensitivity so yeah so that's one good thing that came out of this game training the old thumbs yeah well, you do acclimatise because the game, I do think, gets easier as you play it, mm. oddly. And, like, the final boss is probably the easiest boss, isn't she? Mara? Oh, yeah, she's she's DOS, for sure. She's kind of like Doc Ock, female Doc Ock 
from Spider-Man. Yeah, she is. Nothing original about it. Literally couldn't be less original. And she sort of sweeps her octopus robo tentacles along the floor. Gives you about two seconds with which to jump. She gives you such a wide arc before it actually gets to you. And the same when she sweeps them over the top to like flatten you with them. Like such telegraphed moves. And then she like electrocutes the floor so you're kind of dodging her tentacles while these electric yeah. currents are surging around. And sometimes she electrocutes the whole floor. Yeah, she's definitely like the easiest. She forecasts her moves a lot more clearly than all the other sections where it feels a little bit like luck or judgment. Yeah. Whereas she feels like judgment. Anyway. Right. I think that's enough for Ghost Runner. Yeah, that's a wrap for sure. Uh, I'm glad we played it and um, I'm glad you enjoyed it for the most part. Yeah, I reckon as well. I don't know whether I would recommend, I would caveat my recommendation with like, if you like this kind of game that's brutally difficult and designed to punish you a lot and you like free running games, then yeah, give this one a whirl. Especially because I don't think it's that expensive, especially not in a sale or something. But if you don't, Maybe give it a miss. Yeah. If you don't enjoy the satisfaction of getting good at Twitch reflexes and games, definitely not for you. Because there's nothing else here to really recommend it, is there? Other than the adrenaline rush of finally completing a level that you've just died 50 times on. Alrighty. So next up, Tao, what are we playing? Uh, Choo-choo. Oh, Monster Train. Monster Train. Yes, Monster Train. Ah, oh, I've been wanting to play this for ages and ages. I had a little go at my friend's house. Yeah, he's played something stupid like 100 hours on it. Yeah, that is definitely something stupid. I haven't played a, what are they called? Like roguelike card game since uh, Slay the Spire, which I did put a lot of hours into, to be fair. So yeah, I'm well up for this one. It's got rave reviews. Nice, Monster Train. Choo-choo. <laughs> Well, so uh, just before we go, uh-huh. Ted, go on. we're 20 episodes in now. Yeah. So uh, got a little favour to ask. What is it? If you're a fan of the show, we'd love it if you could share your enthusiasm for it with friends, enemies, teachers, students, clients, whoever you have contact with. And if you happen to be listening on an iPhone or some other Apple-based medium, five-star rating or review in a podcast app would be much appreciated as well. You know, Tay and I ask for so little... We give so much, really, don't we, Tay? And we've got so much to give, Ben. Well, exactly. All we want is that you share the love as well. So pay it forward, you know, give us a chance at world domination. It's not too much to ask, is it? <laughs> That's the first time um, we've asked for a review, I think. What does it even, what does it do? What does it do, the review? Let's other people know what a great show this is. Ah, okay. What essential required listening is. Hmm. Anyway, that, that, that's, that's my request. So, have you got anything, Tay? Do you want free gifts or? Uh, no, don't need gifts. Just that subscribe and that, that review would be great. Yeah, thanks. Well said, Ben. Well said. All right. See you later. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh my God, I was so what? disoriented then. I was like, what is he doing? Have I accidentally crashed no, some sort of I'm, personal session? I've just, been, uh, I've just been jogging for the last like 15 minutes on the spot. <sighs> really? Yeah. 
Oh, well, don't stop now. Keep going, mate. I'll uh, I'll just focus on my notes for a few minutes. No, I, I'm fucking. I totally forgot about that. I'm fucking that. hackered. Uh, oh man, that is awesome. Uh, uh,